This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Deb Zahn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to talk to you, and I'll tell you why. Not only are we going to talk to people about how to become a successful consultant, but we're also going to talk about, get ready for this, folks, how to be productive when you're a consultant, which is kind of important. I, I, would, I would say it's make or break it to having a sustainable business. Truly. <laughs> well, before we get started, who is Deb Zahn and what do you do for a living? You got it. Well, I am currently, as many people are, two things. So I am still a practicing consultant in the healthcare world in the U.S., which, if you've noticed, needs a lot of help. And so <laughs> I'm, st I'm still actually practicing doing that. But then I'm also, I have a business called The Craft of Consulting, where I help professionals who have done wonderful things in their work life. I help them either start, build, or grow their consulting business including during COVID. And I, I think that's important to add because you can still become a successful consultant even while COVID is in play. Yes. And you know what the interesting thing is? More and more people are becoming consultants, coaches, trainers, because everything's moving online. Now, I think that we would eventually got to this point, but COVID just kind of like pushed it along a little. I personally about six months before COVID even hit, before it even was even a thing, I decided I didn't want to speak in public anymore because I didn't like hotels and planes and Ubers and taxis and stuff like that. And now I do training in my home office. I walk out, I'm with my wife. And so I think a lot more people are going that way because not only are we a global society, but it's, it's a lot easier on your, how should I say, your psyche from traveling from here, there and everywhere. That's right. It just takes, it takes some new ways of doing things. It takes some new, uh, strategies. It takes a new mindset, but I, I agree. I, I have not lost any of the value that I contribute to my clients simply because of COVID and because everything's remote now. I just had to switch up some of the things I was doing. Yeah. And, and I, everybody's on Zoom now. I mean, schools are on Zoom, businesses are on Zoom. And I can't help the wonder is, are people wearing pants on these Zoom calls? Cause you can always <laughs> see them from, from the chest up. And it's like, are you wearing pants? Are you wearing uh, boxer shorts? Are you wearing pajama bottoms? And I bet a lot of people are. And, you know, if anybody asks me, can you stand up? I could stand up because I'm wearing shorts. Um, that's, I'm really comfortable. I want to do my shows, but I just can't help wonder these people wearing the suits and the ties. And they look all dapper from the waist up. Are they wearing pants? I just exactly. want to know. Exactly. Well, you don't trust me. I had somebody who found out the hard way. <laughs> so uh -oh. it's better to just wonder and not know for sure. Let me put yes. it that way. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about the wonderful world of consulting. What does consulting mean to you? Because I know if I asked a hundred different people, I'd probably get a hundred different answers. So I'd like to know what your answer is. Yeah, my answer is pretty simple, which is that you build your livelihood, meaning that you get paid to help people, companies, and organizations achieve results that they want to achieve. That's sort of simply how I put it. I, I love that. And here's the thing that, that, that prevented me from being a productivity coach for the longest time is I'm like, well, who would pay me? Who, who would want to give me money to help them? And then through the process of hiring coaches, they said, look at you're naturally gifted at being productive. There are a lot of people out there that are clueless on being productive, even though it's so natural to you. It's just like 
basketball to LeBron James is very natural. Okay. I couldn't play basketball. If I went one-on-one with LeBron James, he could spot me 99 points and he'd still beat me to hundred. Okay. That's just the reality, but we all have a gift. We all have knowledge that we can share with people in the world. The problem is like I, like I shared, you go through this, like, well, really am I worth someone giving me money to? So let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, that is actually one of the first stumbling blocks that that professionals have when they switch to consulting is is there's the mindset part which is they can't imagine that anybody would pay for pay for what they've done or what they know how to do and and that's a mixture of confidence so you you do actually have to have enough confidence that you can offer what you're going to offer to the world but a, a good chunk of it is just sit down and work with what your experience is, what your expertise is, what results you've achieved in the past until you can articulate your value. That was my big stumbling block is at the beginning, I remember somebody actually said to me, it was one of the first people that hired me, is I don't know what you do. I just know that when you're in the mix, things move forward, and <laughs> which that. which is a great compliment, but I couldn't articulate how I did that because I didn't sit down, you know, with a computer, with a piece of paper and say, all right, let me take an example from my past and work through precisely what do I do and what are the skills that I bring to it, both the hard and soft skills that enable me to move things forward when they usually get stuck. It wasn't until I did that exercise of truly defining what my value is and my, and my value, by the way, not being about me, my value being about my clients. So what results can I help clients achieve and how do I do it? Until I sat down and just fundamentally said, what is it and how do I articulate it? then all I was left with was lack of confidence, (laughs) which as you can imagine, (laughs) wasn't a great way to get clients. So that is one of the first things I encourage folks to do is to sit down because the confidence will come along with the more you create evidence behind what your value is. If, if, if you just try and work on your confidence at, you know, absent trying to accumulate evidence of your value, it's going to be hard to do, but you got to figure out how to articulate it and you have to believe it. And that's, that's really the foundation of how you start to get business. I want you to talk about some of the mistakes that people make when they become a consultant. Cause for me, when I was fired from my job in July, 2005 from the corporate job, I hung my shingle out and I thought, Hey, now hanging your shingle out is an old term. I'm 55. <laughs> you younger people may not understand that just may basically says you're in business. I just really thought, Deb, this is so crazy that I hung my shingle out. I would be a millionaire by the end of the week. I'd have oh, yeah. private planes and private jets and or, that's the same thing, private islands, the whole nine yards and nothing. I mean, just because I hung yeah. out my shingle didn't mean people were to come to me. So let's talk about that. Yeah, you you actually. And so, and again, that is a common mistake. I did the same exact thing. I started as a firm and I'm now independent, but it didn't matter. I did the same thing. It was the same mistake. So it's the if I hang out my shingle, they will come absent having a plan to attract people. So you actually have to have a deliberate plan of what you're going to do to bring business to you. And so, you know, one of the things that that I teach people is when you first start off, 
obviously one of the first places that you're going to get business is your existing network. Mm-hmm. But there's a right and wrong way to do it. So if all you do, and and I actually, I can say this from experience because this is what I did, is if you just go out, you know, remember when we used to actually interact with people, you go out, yes. you have co- you have coffee, you have drinks, <laughs> you have tea. Oh, all those years ago. <laughs> Imagine that. But, you know, so now it's virtual, but it's essentially the same thing. If all you're doing is reaching out to your network in some form without a deliberate strategy for how to get them to want you to do something for them, then all you're doing is chatting. And I did that. I talked about their kids. We talked about their dog. I talked about my cats. I talked about what I was passionate about, which who cares because that's not necessarily what they're interested in. And it was a whole bunch of chatter that didn't lead anywhere. And it was, I didn't get my first client until I said, okay, let me think about this from their perspective because all roads lead to their results. I went, even though I knew the person, I'd known them for years, I knew their organization, I'd worked with them before, I had to do my homework and say, if my goal is to help them and have them pay me to help them, then let me find out what it is that they're talking about, what language are they using, what's happening in the industry around them that is either an opportunity or threat, all that homework, so that when I walked in, I had a context that I was going to be able to talk to them about that is more than just chatting. And then the second thing that I had to prepare for is how I was going to pivot the conversation to now me helping them. Because I had I had great time talking to people who knew I was really good at what I did, and yet it never pivoted because it was my job to pivot the conversation. So I developed what I call bridge questions. And essentially these bridge questions were things like, so I'm in healthcare and there's the, there was this major change and it's still going on in how healthcare providers get paid. And that's what I knew that this person cared about. So I asked a question that now would pivot us to talking about, you know, what they need and what they have a demand for. So my pivot question was, you know, here's what's going on in the industry. How have you folks prepared for that? suddenly we're in a conversation about what type of help they need. And it was much easier at the end of it to say, all right, so here's what I'm thinking could be most helpful to you. And I'd love to help you with that. That's Those are deliberate plans, doing deliberate homework and having deliberate strategies to be able to facilitate that conversation towards a good conclusion for you and for the client. Otherwise, you're just, you're going out and you're getting waterlogged <laughs> from having all that coffee. So had, did you ever experience imposter syndrome? I, in the beginning I did. And even now when, you know, my clients are giving me money every month, I'm like, you know, every once in a while, that little, little devil on my shoulder goes, dude, why, who, why are they paying you? Who are you? Do you struggle with that from time to time? Absolutely. In fact, I just posted a blog about that because I also coach uh, people who are becoming consultants or new consultants. Number one thing that comes up is imposter syndrome. And one of the things, so I had it for sure, but it wasn't until I said, okay, stop with just the noise of feeling like an imposter and really, again, look for evidence that you're not. (laughs) And just just have faith that you've obviously contributed or led good things that have happened in the past, you didn't make that up. That actually did occur. So take one of those examples, 
and gather evidence about what you can actually do. Because what happens is imposter syndrome occurs in a blank space. And as long as you allow that blank space, our brains will fill it with the worst case scenarios, right? That's just kind of what we do. (laughs) You know, we're adorable like that. So you have to fill that blank space with with what is actually true. And so looking- I love that. Yeah, I love that because one of the things I learned from Dave Ramsey many years ago is when people call him up, he's a big financial guru. uh, He said, I always answer questions as if it was me. Okay. And so when I'm coaching a client or I'm on my podcast or LinkedIn live or in public, whatever the case may be, and someone asks me a question, I always tell them what I've done. I'm very careful of regurgitating something I read because I want to be able to tell them, look at this is what I did. This is what works. I think that's more authentic than you go. Well, you know, I read this book and because if you're telling me now, I'm like, well, I could go read the book. I want to know what you think. And so I think that's part of the reasons, uh, what part of the ways I should say that I deal with imposter syndrome is because I teach what I go through. And so I know it works. Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out MrProductivity.com to find out how to be coached by me for less than a dollar a day, get my top five productivity tips, and so much more. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. That's right. That, and and you've had to, I'm sure, the, in the same way I have, experimented because you tried things that didn't work. And to tell you the truth, I mean, I find when I'm coaching people, that gives me way more credibility than... I am perfect. I dominate consulting. Yes. I will tell you the way is, is people really resonate with the fact that I've had to struggle with these things. And after 10 years of consulting, I have a pretty good idea of what works. Excellent. So let's talk about one of my favorite topics in the world, productivity and consultants. Cause you did mention in our pre-interview call that one of the things you see consultants struggle with is being productive. So what are your insights on that? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons is, is when you're in employment, your days are much more structured than when you're a consultant. So suddenly you're a consultant and your days are yours. And I found that was true even when I worked at a firm, definitely true as I'm independent. So here's what happens is if you have unplanned for unproductivity, and I, I say that deliberately because there might be times when you decide you know, going and sitting on a park bench is exactly the right thing to do. But if, it, if, if you have unproductive time that you didn't plan for, it does two things. One is if you're a consultant, it's lost revenue, right? That's money out of your pocket. And the other thing that means is, is it's going to make it difficult for you to spend the time on the other things that you care about in your life, whether it's your family, it's your health, it's your well-being, because that time if you don't want to reduce your income, that time has to come out of somewhere. <laughs> and where it tends to come out of is your health, your family, and the other things that you care about. So being productive as a consultant means that not only can you have a sustainable business, but it is also going to contribute to having a sustainable life. And and I think the two of those together, because work is part of life, it's not your whole life, I think, I think it matters. And so when consultants start... The biggest mistake I see them make is they just jump to strategies and tactics. Like, I'm just going to try something. And it's it's akin to, th- you know, throwing spaghetti on a wall, which ironically is not productive. <laughs> so <laughs> I always tell people, you got to get the foundations right. And the, and the foundation, as 
and again, this has been my experience because I can be as unproductive as anybody else, is I got to get my mindset in the right place. I have to know what my principles are that are fueling my desire to be productive. And then I can do strategies and techniques. But if I don't, if I don't get that foundation set first, then all I'm doing is trying random things. And I, I am so creative at defaulting back to unproductive that I can, I can work my way around any strategies and techniques if there's no foundation. I wish I could tell you and the audience that I've never dealt with what you just talked about. I think everyone, if they're truly honest, when they get into consulting, coaching, whatever the case may be, you think you're different. You think you don't have to do it in the right order. You go, no, I know what the experts say, but I'm me. I'm yeah. different. I'm going to hang my shingle out and I'll be hanging out with Richard Branson by the end of the week. And we, we go into this with such high hopes, but I don't know a single high performer out there. And I'm not talking about trust fund babies. I'm talking about high performers. I can't name a single one that didn't put in the work that didn't stub their toe and bang their shins along their journey. We look at them now, the Tony Robbins, the Brendan Burchards, the Gary Vaynerchuk's we look at them now, but they, they weren't nobody last week. They worked years and years and years to crank out the place, the people there are now. And I think that's one of the things I struggled when I started and I'm willing to bet you, that you're going to tell me that a lot of people when they get into consulting have the same problems. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there is the I'm special syndrome (laughs) that, (laughs) that causes them to ignore the reality that these are things that you have to struggle with that you perhaps didn't have to in your previous job because they weren't, you know, they weren't dependent on your success wasn't dependent on them. So now you're a consultant and you truly have to experiment using tried and true techniques that others have used. But you have to first know, like, why is it important to you? Because if you're, if ultimately it's about changing your behavior, and I'm fortunate, I am married to a behavior change expert, which is often very nice. (laughs) But (laughs) um, it's also about what you think and what you believe. And that's where the mindset comes in. So I have to know if I'm piddling through my day and I'm doing a little bit here and a little bit there and there's all this time in between that's just, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what I was doing. What that means is, is that I'm taking a punch at my why. And my why is I want to spend time with my husband who I love and adore. And I want to spend more time with my mom. My mom just turned 80. She's, you know, she kayaks, she bikes, she's like this amazing jock. But that's when I want to spend time with her. I don't want to wait until she's 90 and now it's all doctor's appointments. I want to spend time with her while we can really, you know, fully enjoy our time. That's, that's one of my driving whys. I have to know that because that is why productivity matters to me. It's not just about making money. It's about my mom and it's about my husband. It's also about my health. So I have to continually remind myself and put sort of triggers in front of me, like little things up on the walls or whatever that it, that remind me that's why I'm doing it. That is so important because as you're talking about your driving, why, if you've been listening to my podcast at all, listener, you know that my mom has got late onset Alzheimer's. She's a three-year-old trapped in the 76 year old body. And one of the things I regret, they live in Florida. I live in Texas. One of the things that I regret is I got a lot of pictures of mom. Don't have a lot of videos. Okay. 
very few videos. And of course, now she's mentally, she's gone. Okay. So my mom mentally is gone. And, you know, we don't think about it now. We don't think about our loved ones or our friends or whatever are going to be debilitated in the future. We just think, oh, there will always be a tomorrow. There will always be a next week. There will always be another Christmas. But that's not necessarily true. My mom went off the cliff with her Alzheimer's because that's yeah. typically how it happens. You just you start deteriorating all of a sudden a little bit, a little bit, boom, you're off the cliff. And I, what my point in saying all that is, and, and what goes along with your driving why, is make sure you don't make life all about work. Yeah. Okay. You should work. Okay. You're supposed to work. We're not supposed to sit there and watch Netflix all day. We're supposed to work, but you also got to enjoy life because my theory is as a Christian, that if we weren't supposed to enjoy life, everything would be shades of gray. The, the grass would be a shade of gray. The clouds would be shade of gray. The flowers would be shade of gray. They'll be really boring, but life is meant to be enjoyed. So go take a walk out in nature, yeah. you know, and there's something about when you go out in nature, and you look at all the nature and you see the little critters and whatever is around your part of the world, you know, you really appreciate that. Yes, I'm serving my clients, but I'm also serving my loved ones and I'm serving myself. And I think you have to keep your whole life in balance. I know a lot of people don't like the whole thing about work-life balance, but I believe it's a really important thing. I do too. And yeah, I always ask that question on my podcast about work-life balance. I think it's essential because ultimately it's about deliberate choices. And that's actually one of my principles behind you know productivity is don't make default chase choices, make deliberate choices. Because if you just get carried away and you know it's a gorgeous fall day out where I am, I'm in upstate New York, and I could just ignore that and suddenly there's snow on the ground. <laughs> and then, you know, and then the next season comes, the next season comes because I just have my head down and I'm missing out on the wonder, which is existence, which I don't want to do. Yes. Now, whereabouts do you live up in upstate New York? Because I'm originally from Rochester, New York. Oh, so I am south of, of Albany in okay. right next to this cool little town called Hudson, <laughs> which is... okay you know, really good food. There's always fun things to do that there's, you know, all this activity that we can do lakes, you name it. And my mom moved here from Nebraska and I want her to enjoy herself as much as possible. And I want to enjoy the time with her. So if I piddle away my day, that means that maybe I'm spending an hour with mom at night. But guess what? If I'm productive and I get everything I need to get done by one o'clock, hey, mom, let's go grab the kayak and get on on a lake. That's amazing. Your mom is 80 years old and she's so active because she's I'm 55 so cool. and my goal is triple digits. And I, I run every day. I don't know if you know that or not, but I run every single day. And my goal is I still want to be running when I'm 100 years old. So I'm trying to take care of myself now. But I my hat goes off to people because I, I see people who are active like your mom at 80 and 90 and 95. And I know people at like 65, they're just like, they're like they might as well be 500 years old. And I'm like, you know, you got to keep reading. You got to keep doing things. Now your mother can't do as uh, stuff as well as she could when she's 25, obviously, but she's getting out there. She's enjoying life. She wants right. to, she wants to wring every bit of life out of this life that she's, this journey she's on before she she's gone. Yeah. And she may have another 20 years. I mean, if she's that active. She may have another 20 years. Oh, and yeah. why wouldn't she want to live that long? That's right. Well, she started at 56 because she wow. watched she watched her parents sit in lazy boy recliners and not get back up. Oh. 
And she didn't want to be that way. And so she's, you know, my mom's hilarious. So she decided she was going to try rollerblading and she was, she was worried at this back. So I'm dating myself. It was back when rollerblading was a thing and she was worried about falling, but she's this amazing problem solver. And so she got ski poles and she put wine corks on the bottom of them so she could (laughs) stabilize herself. And then next thing I know, she's biking across Bavaria. I mean, that's, but that, but I aspire wow. to that. I want to have a life filled with joy and adventure. And my work is part of that. I love what I do. I love how I help people. I love that I get to help a variety of, of organizations and companies. But I also love that I can go sit outside and look at the fall colors. I love that I make dinner for my family. All of that matters to me. And there's no reason if I don't make good choices that I can enjoy my life to the fullest. Even even when things are tough, I can still do that. You know, that's a perfect place to stop this episode. Live a life full of joy. You don't want to be 65 in a rocking chair, not able to move. You got to use a walker, a cane, an oxygen tank, not because of health reasons, because you got lazy. So listener, please, 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 please hear what Deb said. Live a life, a joy. You only get one life. Why not live in joy? So Deb, where can we go to find out more about you? Cause I know that the listener is intrigued, you know, about learning about how to become a consultant and other things you do. So where would they go? Well, you can go to craftofconsulting.com and there you can you can actually find my imposter syndrome blog, which are my my personal techniques for dealing with imposter syndrome. And then I also have a podcast, which you can also find there, The Craft of Consulting, where I have, just like you, other smart people come on and say smart things and I soak it up like a sponge. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. And and then I also have, you know, like if you need help figuring out how to price your services, you, you can, you know, get access to a free training that I did online. And there's, you see what sort of other ways that I'm able to help people. But my goal is, if you're going to become a consultant, reduce the mistakes, reduce the suffering, get successful faster. And that's what I want to help people with. Yeah. And there's no need to reinvent the wheel. There are so many people that have gone before you and me, and we've learned from them and we turn around, we help other people who are in our tribe. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Okay. The information's already out there. So you can shorten your learning curve by investing in yourself and learning. So you say you go to an expert like you or me and look at, don't do these things. I did. I'm just going to waste your time. Just do these things. It's going to save you a ton of time. So I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Zeb, uh, Zeb, there you go. I knew I was going (laughs) to say, I don't know why I called you Zeb. Deb. See, I I got written on the paper here, Deb Zahn, and I tried to combine your name. So Deb, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it was a delight. Thank you so much. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Find out how I can coach you for less than a dollar a day. No joke. And also, you can get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens at mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.